Welcome to Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. Today, we have a special guest, Christina Wise. By way of intro, I want to tell the strategists, Christina, you are a real estate investor extraordinaire. You've created three businesses during your career, one called Good Life Luxury, the other, The Paperless Agent, and currently are most active in a new concept called Wealthy Wealthy. You are coming to us out of Park City, Utah today. So I'd like to say welcome, Christina. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Hey, let's dive in, shall we? I'm very interested in your story. I will tell you that our listeners, they are somewhere along the spectrum of what we call financial wellness. Some are kind of plugging the leaks in their bucket, if you will. Some are uh, further along and staring a financial independence in the face, and they're trying to figure out what they think around the concept of financial wellness. What does it really mean? And what are the values inside of that? I think your story really folds into that very well. Kind of maybe share with us. Yeah, I, I like that approach. I mean, it's certainly from my own experience, but wealth really comes from the kind of the etymology of wellness. And so where, you know, the derivative of wealth and when we think of it in terms of money came from the root words of being well, like um, not just physically well, but overall well, like living a well life and a life well lived. And when we're just in the hunt and chase of money under this wealth thing, and it becomes all about the money, we can really get off track of really understanding money and its purpose in the first place. And so when it's really about wellness, and then there's all these different elements of wellness to live a whole life, a full life, you know, that's, that's fulfilled and that it doesn't feel like it's lacking. It doesn't feel like it's got these missing pieces. It doesn't feel like it's a struggle all the time, you know, then there's all these categories of wellness. We want our physical wellness. And what I learned through my own journey, because I was after money and I did very well business-wise and, and financially for my businesses. <laughs> and I've had many, many businesses. I mean, I can't even count how many businesses I've I've started or sold or started and, you know, flipped into something else. And, you know, that's just my love is, is kind of business and money from that creative standpoint. But it was all about the money. What I didn't recognize was that because it was all about the money, the chase, the game, the success, the achievement, the net worth, the status, the, all those things that I think can be like the carrot for so many of us. It wasn't until I lost my physical health that I really recognized the importance, really the purpose of money. And the purpose of money is not to attain it necessarily, not this chase and attainment and to do it at all sacrificed and do it with full velocity like we have to do it all right now. What I learned was is that when I didn't have my health, that it was when it was deteriorating and I was I was dying and fighting for my health, I realized that regardless of how much money I had, I didn't care about the money. It had zero importance to me. All I wanted was my life back. The money only served the purpose. Thank, you know, thank God I had the money and I had the assets and 
you know, it cost me many six figures to save my life. And ultimately, you know, since then, you know, I, I don't even know the total, but thank God I had the money and I was really smart with my finances. And, you know, I had the money there because it did save my life. But I can tell you that I didn't care one iota about the money. Like none of it mattered. Like all I cared about was living. And you really don't, I don't think most people can really relate to that understanding unless they've been there, you know, right. or really just, you know, believe somebody else. And I'm just to tell you when our whole money's about the chase, no matter how much money you make, it will never be enough because we're really missing the wellness piece, the why piece. And for me, the why money piece now, before it was all about the money, like I said, for those things out there that the money represented, status, success, achievement, um, kind of a sense of financial security, kind of these different things I was always chasing more of. But no matter how much money I had or how successful I got, it was never enough. I was no more fulfilled than I was at lower levels of all of those. So I just know that that game really leads to burnout and lack of fulfillment and trying mm -hmm. to chase something that's that's missing and trying to mm -hmm. fill these holes and this lack of wholeness. But when the whole objective is wellness across a life that's well, then we're looking at physical wellness, right? Like I said, I learned the lesson. If we don't have physical wellness, it's it's not fun, you know, when you're sick and in pain and all the things like so wellness is physical wellness wellness is relational wellness i mean i think so many of us during the pandemic we really learned the importance of relationships and sociability and feeling safe and secure in the love and arms of others and if we didn't have that or or that 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 really you know um reared its ugly head the, the the aloneness and loneliness of of not having maybe relational wellness so or you know so how well and then financial wellness is a whole different category what like you said what do we mean by financial wellness and i think the wellness means you know we financial wellness and the desire to create a life that's financially well, just like create a body that's physically well and create relationships that are well. It takes knowledge, it takes work, it takes uh, passion, it takes desire, but it's all around health, being healthy. So to me, the biggest form of wealth is health in all three categories. And so do we have a healthy relationship with our money? Meaning, do we spend time with it? Do we enjoy it? Are we grateful for it? Do we, do we track it? Do we do we like everybody listening i would say the answer is yes we wouldn't be listening to podcasts like this if we didn't want to deepen our knowledge and understanding but that wellness piece is what is our relationship how do we feel about our money are we in this very like functional healthy relationship or is it a little bit dysfunctional and kind of causing us more um suffering or chaos or fear anxiety than kind of the opposite on the on the health category and then, you know, with money, it's the, you know, how much money is enough, which is a very philosophical question that very few people actually answer. So how much money is enough? And those that go through my money school and that, you know, um, it's one of the first questions we start working on, because if you don't have an answer to how much money is enough, the answer will always be more. And if there's always 
more you again you just wind up in the chase which is lack of fulfillment because no matter where you are you feel it's not enough so you want to get to a place of enough like what is that number and then the next question is more practically is how do we answer it how do we know how much money is enough and if anybody listening doesn't know the answers to those two questions i'd really recommend that those are like the two first places to start in this um I don't like the word pursuit necessarily, but in this creation of financial wellness, like in that, on that path of creating a, a life that's financially well. That's great. That's great input. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Um, along this topic of how much money is enough, you know, I've heard it said, um, at least I've heard other people describe their journey their financial wellness journey as when they turn the corner when of enough, if you will, um, their outlook changed from not how much am I going to make next year or next month or like pure financial goals, but they're, they kind of blew by those. And the question changed. The question was, how much of this that I'm achieving am I going to keep? Have you ever heard it stated that way? Um, not in that context. So that's a different question, in my opinion, in that, and you know, even so the language of money is really important. And we use language that's been given to us as opposed to really understanding kind of the power of words and what words mean. So I'm a, I'm a wordy. I mean, I, I really listen to words that people use. I listen to my own words. I mean, I catch my own self. But even, uh, you know, how much money we make, like, what do we mean by that? Yeah. Are we out? And what do we mean by make? And so if we use that word, like, are you out there manufacturing money? Are you actually hammering it and making it? Are you, you know, what's even the definition for make? And maybe so, maybe, you know, depending whatever that mindset is, but, you know, kind of the, or the connotation to the word make, it's just to, to be very thoughtful. So for me, it's all about how much money I can create and manifest, but manifest through creation. So I don't make it per se, but man, money just, money just flows into me because I am such a creator and I love creating money and coming up with ideas and proposing concepts and doing new things. And I'm as happy about $100 dropping in my bank account as I am as 10,000. And some days I get 100 dropping in my bank account. And sometimes I get 10,000, sometimes a lot more. And it doesn't matter because it's just such a love and gratitude of all of that financial energy that, that, you know, that I pull in a result of what I create and pull out through this thing called value and in creativity. So for me, you know, I, I, did, I, I intentionally use the word create because I'm always like, how do I, how do I create something out of nothing, which it's really what even entrepreneurship is. So I don't know how many of your listening listeners are entrepreneurs, but you know, I've been an entrepreneur business owner my entire life. And usually who I, I work with are entrepreneurs and really kind of what the definition of an entrepreneur is, is we come up with, kind of ideas that other people don't do and like that are in our head that only we can see 
And then we put them, maybe we start creating them outside of our head and putting them on a whiteboard or a flip chart or something or talk to others. And next thing we do, we know we come up with this whole new concept or idea. It's something that came out of nothing. Like, you know, your business or my business, it wasn't there before we created it. But we had these ideas, this desire, this passion, this dream, you know, the and everything is fueled behind it. And we see kind of the building blocks in our in our heads and what we want to do for others and the value or how we're going to change their lives through our different, through our new idea. And before there wasn't a business and a week later, there's a business that's magic. I just call it magic. <laughs> and that's what entrepreneurs do. They create something out of nothing. So, you know, so in like the idea of money, we can create money out of nothing. Like money is so easy, it's so abundant. You know, if we're in that type of relationship and kind of use that language with it. And again, I mean, it's just so much fun then because it's like, how creative can I be? So do you see it? Sometimes it depends, like when we really think about the words and, and kind of get out of the patterns of how money is typically made or earned, like we have to earn it, be good boys and girls and, and earn our money or, you know, these different pieces, we can complete, it can, those, just that type of language and our language that we use really describes the mindset that we have, but we can start breaking those, then, you know, it creates a whole different potentiality many times. So anyway, the, the, to answer your question is um, how much money we keep. And it's like, what do we mean by keep? <laughs> like I really challenge almost so many the kind of the the things we hear on a regular basis it's not about how much money you make it's about how much money you keep well maybe what does keep mean i mean if it's just if you're keeping a bunch of money in a bank account and it has no movement or momentum and it's not growing and you know it's just kind of a safety net but you're losing more money that's in there with inflation and everything else in a more practical time how much money you keep is not a really good strategy necessarily so Again, you know, how much money is enough? It's it's not necessarily about how much money we quote unquote, quote unquote make. It's not necessarily about how much money we keep, whatever that means. How much money enough is um, organized around a philosophical question of what is your good life? So Tony, your good life is different than my good life. You have your own definition, your own vision for that. So that's your good life. And, you know, and, and I have mine. So when we kind of think that money is the same for everyone again, and it's taught the same for everyone and all this conventional wisdom is just, <laughs> it treats everybody the same, like it's a cookie cutter. It's like, no, your good life is different than my good life. But very, very rarely do people, like they're putting the, heart, the cart before the horse, like going after all these money things, as opposed to, really visualizing and defining what is a good life. Like if you had, you know, for some people it might be yachts and caviar. My good life does not include that. Like it just doesn't, that's not, I don't need that for my life to be completely bountiful and full and abundant and, and all the things that would bring me plenty of joy and happiness, right? The word plenty, but doesn't mean it's not for others, right? So, but I'm very clear on what a good life is to me, where I don't feel like I'm really compromising too much. Like if my life looked just like this and not a penny more, like 
a penny more would pay for it, but not one thing less and not one thing more type thing. Like this real full good life. Would this, like, if it never got better than this, would I be just completely thinking like I won the life lottery? Yeah. So that's like, I love it can that. be defined, right? It's defined, it's visualized, it can be written down, it can be spoken in a narrative that I could tell you if we we're sitting and having coffee, like this is my good life, this is all the elements of it. And you could tell me your good life and all the elements of it, like descriptive, right? So descriptive that you could describe it to me like I would be like, oh my God, I so get that, that's awesome, right? And yeah. I'd sure yours, you'd sure mine. So that's the first part. That's the first thing to do. But again, it's very philosophical because kind of philosophy is around to answer the question, what is a good life? So right, we have to go right. philosophical first. So then this, the practical piece after the philosophical piece is like, well, how much does it cost to live it? And now our good life can be quantified. Now, since your good life is different than my good life, your life will have a different number than mine. So we want to quantify that, let's say, on an annualized basis. And let's just say our good life, assuming we had no debt payments, like house was paid off, cars were paid off, credit cards were paid off. And that's another exercise is to really think about if your house was paid off, your cars were paid off, and you had no personal debt, how much would it really cost to live this good life that would include, you know, your, you know, everything on a day-to-day -day and month-to-month -month and annualized basis to live. And when you think about it that way, what makes our life so expensive is we stack them all up with all these debts to, you know, in the form thinking we can afford it because, you know, we can't afford it based on our monthly income. But if we take all those debts out and really quantify, you know, how much it would cost to live, it's probably not as much as many people think to really live a good life. But again, it's very important to know your number. And this is the work that we do, you know, um, in my money school and things, because I think it's just, it's crucial to get out of kind of the typical money chase. But then that's okay. So now you know how much it costs to live it. And so let's just keep the math easy and say, you know what, $100,000 a year. If I had zero debt payments and I had $100,000 in a year, it would, that's plenty of money, right? Get to do my travels, get to do da da da. If I got to, you know, myself 10 or 20 years from now, would it be the same? Yes, 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 yes. So now what that means is that let's just pretend it's $100,000 and pretending that from here through our last day, it will continue to be $100,000. So the next question is, is where will that $100,000 come from? Right. Yeah. So now, and let's, that's a hundred thousand dollars of what it costs to live your life. So if we start with that number, what that means is that there's only two types of income. There's working income and there's non-working income. So when our bodies are younger and we have a lot more energy and vitality and, you know, all these things and more value in many cases is that we use our bodies through this thing of, you know, what we what we do for our kind of work per se, when we're using our bodies and our minds to actually be out there in the, in the world, creating value, delivering value, doing all the things to be compensated for that in return. You know, so we have to, we need to bring that value in at the tune of a hundred thousand dollars a year for the cost of our life at a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. Mm -hmm. 
But then we also have to understand that our working years also pay for our non-working years. So what that means is if, you know, depending on our age, but like at what age we think that we want to kind of, you know, turn down the, the, how much time we have to work, you know, because our bodies get older, they don't have as much energy. We've worked a good portion of our careers. We actually want to take longer time off and vacations, and it's more expensive to take care of our health, believe it or not, and kind of these different things. Sure. But the idea is that, okay, if our 20-year-older self, our future self, that no longer wants to work as hard or at all, have to, I mean, have to, not that we won't choose to, but have to, then that 20-year-older self, if he or she wants $100,000, how much money then do we need in net worth pulling off at, let's say, 5% per year? So in this case, let's say it's, it, and, you know, if we just for use simple math, our future self that's 20 years older needs $2 million to produce that $100,000 a year. This is very quantifiable. Everybody sure. puts in the numbers, right? But very sure. few of us do this work. But once you know your numbers, it just takes all this kind of anxiety out. But now at that point, that 20 year older self, once we kind of, you know, hit that $2 million net worth mark, it's like, voila, I've gone from working income to pay my bills to non-working income to pay my lifestyle. My lifestyle doesn't change. But what that means now, when we reverse engineer it, $100,000 today is not enough. Because if we like our $100,000 income today, we also need to add on top of that the money that we need to invest to buy those assets over the next 20 years right. to be able to create that $2 million, plus taxes on top of that, plus a little additional rainy day and additional cash that we'll probably want sitting around. So that means that actually earning, making, creating, whatever words we want to use, 100000 is not enough. We actually maybe need to... It needs to be closer to 175 that we bring home in our year. But maybe if 175 between two incomes, if both spouses are working, for example, that's not too difficult. And we're like, man, 175, that's our number. That's that's really what we can focus on. We don't really, then it still gives us time to do all these things and spend time with the kids or do X, Y, Z. And it will hit our 20-year-old older self number. And we can love off the $100,000 as long as we don't get ourselves in a lot of personal debt by living beyond our means. And then so in all of that kind of work that I did, like probably in seven minutes that everybody can do in just a few minutes, mm -hmm. nothing in there really is how much money we keep. We're really not keeping anything. I teach a way of thinking that you spend 100% of everything you make. So everybody's spending kind of 100% of what they make. The problem is, is people spend it in the wrong places. They're spending right. it on debt payments as opposed to paying themselves, you know, they're making it to the car bank and the credit card bank and the mortgage bank and, you know, the boat bank or whatever, the more money you make, the more debt you get into, the mm -hmm. bigger your debt payments. But if we paid, if we thought of ourselves as the bank and we're creating that $2 million bank for our future self to withdraw those funds out of, mm -hmm. then we still spend hundred percent of what we make, but instead of spending it towards the banks, you know, at this high interest, we spend it towards our bank. So again, we're really not keeping anything. We're creating, we're growing, we're managing, we're moving, we're um, owning, we're building, you know, all these other things, right? Mm -hmm. That um, this kind of the opposite of keep. But again, it's, it's very different way of thinking about 
our behavior and actions and mindsets and moods and relationships with money that's right. very active and energetic. Because at the end of the day, money can be a really powerful energy that can really fuel us and propel us to be able to live a really good life. And at the end of the day, to sum all that up, is that how much money is enough? Is enough to fund a really good life lifestyle today through, you know, through our working years, so to speak, and then enough to be able to fund our non-working years. And again, very easy numbers to quantify. And once you know the numbers and you know you're on track and you're, you know, you're putting your money away and you're moving it and do these things that I teach, mm -hmm. money just becomes, there's no anxiety in that because you know your numbers, you've got your plan, you, you, you know, you know, as long as you keep following the plan, it's going to work. So you, now we can just go have fun and quit worrying about it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Let me ask you something about that. Um, I, I'm intrigued by the I, the whole concept of your good life and, and defining that. Um, I take it that you would subscribe to uh, really spending some time on that and figuring it out and even writing it out. Oh, absolutely. Like the more clarity, the universe works on clarity. So, you know, the reason why... <laughs> For many, our lives are, you know, can be just so chaos. The universe doesn't like chaos. The universe works in with clarity, with, you know, with, with um, these fundamental laws are always at work that once we learn them and can discover them and see them, we can work in tandem and alignment with them as opposed to unknowingly kind of working against them. You know, when we're paying debt payments, that's working against universal laws of money, right? We're, right. we're paying, we're paying compound interest for the banks versus letting us take advantage of compound interest on the, um, uh, on kind of the universal law of money, this, this magical thing called compound interest. So with complete clarity, we can, we can again, work in alignment with kind of these universal spiritual laws of, the more clarity you have, the more you can visualize that and create it and have help from, you know, universe in those creations. But, you know, when we don't have clarity and we're just, you know, like I said, when if I ask how much and when I ask people many times, you know, are you making enough money? No. Well, how much money is enough? I don't know, but more than I'm making now. And that can go on forever. So, yeah, that's the typical answer. Right. So but when we have all this clarity and we take the time and space and we get out of the rat race and we get out of just pushing ourselves where we have no space because the most valuable resource is not money. The most, most valuable resource is time. What our money does is allow us to buy time. So that's, that's what the trust funder has, right? So if the trust funder has $100,000 a year lifestyle and their trust fund pays that, they have all of the time that everybody else that doesn't have the trust fund that has to go create that hundred thousand dollars, they don't have that time, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what that is. That trust fund that was set up creates the time for the trust funder to be able to pay their bills at their hundred thousand dollar lifestyle and have a hundred percent choice over their time. So if we're very clear, but then the question is, is what do you want to do with your time? Yeah. And how much but and and you have to create time to be able to create time. <laughs> people are so, 
like strung out in the sense, like get up, you know, shower, eat your breakfast, get the kids ready, run out to school, work all day, come home, fix dinner, go by the grocery store, send out some more emails, maybe talk to your spouse, da da da, Groundhog Day over and over. There's not a moment of space in there to be able to take the time to ask these philosophical questions, to do a few crunching up numbers. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the time to create the time, but we have to create the time to create the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we keep thinking if I just work harder or if this happens or that happens, something in the future, then everything will become easier or all these things will fall in, play, fall in place or somewhere in the future, things are going to be easier. It's like, no, this will be the pattern forever unless we're changing the way we think, the way we behave, what we think to be true, what we know to be true. You know, we have to we have to make changes today for the ripple effect for that to now go into the future versus waiting for the future to change something that's not going to change because the domino effect is continue to do what we've always done will continue to get us what we've always got. And right. we have to change the, the direction of the dominoes to get us to a different place. But it has to start here. It's not out there. It's not at the end of the dominoes. It's where the dominoes start. Right, right. Boy, I love that conversation. Uh, thinking, of just taking this concept of writing out your uh, your good life. You recommend like in detail, like nitty gritty details. Like, don't just think about it in big clumps. Or do you do you ratchet down to my good life looks like? You know, uh, I have three houses. I mean, it can be. I mean, I think it's. I believe it's different for everyone. I mean, it's 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 your definition sure. of clarity, right? Of of, you know, mine's a lot less about how specific it is, and more about. For me, part of my good life is being able to live and work anywhere. So that's that's part of it. Is that you know, I used to have a business that before I became very clear about this, one, it kept me location specific. So I had to be in Austin, Texas, because that's where my business was. That's where my buildings were. That's where my employees were. And, you know, so where freedom is one of my core fundamental values. And mm-hmm. and I wasn't free because my business really owned me. I didn't own my business. And it kept me having to be in Austin. And it had me being having to take lots of phone calls when I did try to take a vacation. And again, so coming out of that experience from being sick that came out of this is like, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't, I, I mean, I sold my business. I was like, I'm out because that's not a definition of good life. It was a great way to make money. I had a lot of success there. You know, I would, I kind of would, but I would, trapped myself into that type of lifestyle that ultimately it was working because it created a lot of success and money. But you know, I didn't take enough time until I got sick and I was forced to take the time to realize it wasn't making me happy. It was just making me successful. Right. And it's actually robbing me of a lot of my good life and happiness and time for my kids and yada, 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 uh. once I broke it down. So once I, you know, my whole life kind of flashed before me and I got to rewrite my story. Part of rewriting my good life was I never want to have to be location specific ever again. I want to be able to create and work and and, you know, build whatever I'm doing from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then two, I never wanted to be constrained by employees where, you know, every day I was like taking the next, 
you know, bitch or moan or complaint or, you know, fire (laughs) going out or somebody being disappointed or somebody needing to vent about the employee down in the last cubicle or it's just like I realized like that's just it might be great for some people. Some people are really good at that. But for me, it was just robbing me mm-hmm. of kind of of my happiness in a way and my fulfillment. Mm-hmm. So in the recreating kind of my good life, it's sketched there like a little bit more philosophical as opposed to, you know, three houses or whatever. Yeah. And for me, too, like I'm not motivated by material possessions like <laughs> that was another thing. Like I don't want. I don't want owning things to weigh me down. Right. I want to be as free as possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so on those things for me, did I have how many houses specifically? No. Did I have boats or cars or vision boards? For me, I didn't. For others, that might be very helpful, a really good place to start. Mm-hmm. But when I'm looking at, you know, for me, I know how much I want to spend mostly annually on travel. It's a very, it's, it's six figures on travel, right? So, because that's what, that's what I love. I love exploring new places and having those memories and experiences. So for me, it was less about even the destinations like, oh, here's my five places to go. It's more like, no, I want to be able to spend this much money on travel. I want to be able to fly first class. I want to stay in, you know, these types of Airbnbs wherever I go. And I want to be able to decide at the last moment when I'm ready to go. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Another thing would be just investing in my my physical wellness. I know how much money I want to spend on an annual basis. Like I just got back from Mexico on a very expensive stem cell retreat, right? But I know, okay, got a pretty good idea at this stage of my life what I want to invest in my my health and my anti-aging and my supplements and, you know, all the, you know, my saunas and all the stuff that I spend just to be as healthy as I can because I almost died. So health is really important to me. So I know pretty much on an annual basis now uh, how much that's going to cost, you know, so that's in that number. You know, I know how much it costs just for for me And then if I know kind of what that amount is, each year might be a little bit different as far as what I do to spend those allowances that I've created by myself. But do you see what I'm saying? I've just created a very, you know, a lot of clarity around what a good life is to me. And again, how much money I want to be able to spend on creating and living that life, you know? So again, but for some, because, but because I'm not motivated by material possessions, like I don't care about my car. I don't care about, you know, how big my house is. I don't care about my clothing. I don't care about shoes. I don't care about purses. I don't care about jewelry, <laughs> but that's me, right? My, yeah, right. Differently, but for somebody Very else, subjective. they might be, and that's good. Like put that down in complete detail. Yeah. I like that. Is it a fair, is it fair to say a major epiphany would be replace goals with values and use values to script your good life. hundred percent. I think that's like so eloquently said and um, yeah, absolutely. My whole life was based on goals and achievements. And now I really, I mean, I, I use the word, I, I switched the word to like before I used to teach goals and goal setting and, 
you know, I was very goal oriented and I would set great big goals and I usually achieved them or got pretty good. But again, it was all about achieving the goal. I never asked myself if I was happy or not. I was just setting a higher goal than last time, right? Run a faster marathon than I did last year, um, you know, build a bigger business than I had last year. Like it's always more and it's always built about more, more faster, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of what goals were. So now I'd say, you know, I'm very, I mean, there's very few things that I set out for myself that I don't manifest and create, right? But the words, I don't set a gar target and goal and by come hell or high water, I'm going to hit that thing and all that kind of, that type of energy, like force energy and make it happen and get out of my way and, <laughs> da -da 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 -da, you know, which that's what it was before. I mean, I was, you know, and now it's, it's just, it's so light. It's more about setting intentions. Like if I'm going to just like, attract something in or create something for myself or, you know, whatever that is, it's just like putting that intention out, being able to specify what it is, setting it out and calling it in and then letting go and letting it happen and doing what I do. So it's more about creating intentions and then really around the word of manifesting and manifesting is equal, like letting, letting things like being very clear on the intention, like what we want to call in, what we want to bring in, not what we're going to go achieve out there, but really what we're going to bring in. So it's a different energy. Yeah. But so setting intention, manifestation is, is bringing that in, creating it, making it's equal dance of letting go, not being attached to the outcome, while at the same time, being alignment with the energy and the work, you know, that's an mm -hmm. alignment for allowing those things to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like, yeah, I take action and put, you know, more energies in the different things. Well, at the same time, if I don't hit it, I'm okay too. Before, if I didn't hit my goal, I even felt terrible about myself or, you know, pissed off about, you know, so yeah, I do, yeah, it's, it's I do. Kind of a rewrite of everything. And if I hadn't have had my, my illness and just an opportunity to sit in bed doing nothing as a vegetable, <laughs> kind of just trying to realizing all these things I was doing wrong and having this opportunity, this blessing to recreate my life. Like I'd still be stuck over there chasing the next thing, yeah. you know, and not have not be any more fulfilled. Well, for what it's worth, it shows on your face. <laughs> it does. Um, I think you're living right. I think you are. And uh, I think you're very grounded and living the values based life, which for me personally, equals the good life. Yeah, you know, I, I could talk. It's funny. I I really love the word values too. And mm -hmm. what I what I'm witnessing, again, I can find myself like out of integrity and value sometimes, which then that's my thing to get back on. But what I've noticed and what appears to be true, I, you know, could be wrong, but when we're chasing these targets, like what you and I are talking about, and let's say big monies, big successes, big ad girls or ad boys, big notice me, look at me, look at me. I want to be really important and famous or whatever that is. And famous, I mean, I was really famous in my vertical, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when those became become the goal, what I've noticed is people will really bend their values and justify bending their values or losing their values to hit those targets. Ooh. So it's goal-based to your point and not value-based. 
-hmm. like the goals first and bend the values if you need to. Not that it's conscious necessarily, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we justify maybe bad behaviors. So when it's value-based, like you said, it's just setting intentions, but we're guided by our sense of values. That's wholeness and integrity that I think our soul has to be in alignment with. Like our soul knows when we're out of integrity. So when we're in integrity and our soul knows that, and we live this value-based life and we know what those values are, like I'm going to create and achieve and do and be and experience, but I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to sacrifice my values for any of it. I think that that's a, that could be a really fun conversation. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about the goals. It's about values first. I love the way you put that. Yeah. Thanks, Christina. Well, I could talk about this for a really long time, but what I'd like to do now is uh, I'd like to let you know how our listeners can get in touch with you and, and maybe find out more about your money school. Yeah. I'm happy to share that. Uh, a couple different things. I I like to offer my book where I talk about kind of how much money is enough in my book and some just pretty easy ways if anybody wants to go in and start filling in some of those numbers that we talked about and and having a kind of a guide of how to start doing that that work. And that's at fallingformoney.com and it's just a free digital download to your listeners if they want to just um get a digital copy of that book. It's a really fun read. It's called Falling for Money. And it's really about the idea of of creating a romantic relationship, a, a, a functional, healthy kind of romantic relationship with your money. So it's it's kind of a different take. Yeah. And again, we go in there and you can fill in some exercises to kind of start this question of how much money is enough and how much does it take to live it. So really nice. Um, and it's just easy read. I tell a lot of story in there and it's super easy, fun read. It's not a it's not a boring money book. It's, I I think it's, I think it's good. And then, um, it's others have said as well. So it's called fallingformoney.com. And then what I like to offer, if anybody now, this takes a lot of courage to do this. And this is something like if we're going to, if we really want radical change in our life, whatever that means, it usually takes a radical amount of courage, right? So, uh, this kind of just, they go together Yes. And so what I offer is if people go to Christina.com, which is a K and two S's, how you spell my name, Christina.com in there, you can um, sign up for a 45 minute money coaching call with me. It's free. My time is money. And I, you know, I, if I broke my time down to hourly, it's, it's ridiculous dollar per hour based on all the kind of all those monies that come to me. Now, um, so like, uh, if we looked at a dollar per hour to think you're getting a very, very high dollar per hour for free, right? Why, why do I do this is because my passion now, especially being at a place of kind of financial independence and what I do now, I'm still growing. I love business. I see what I can create out this business and grow and build and enjoy at the same time. I don't have to do it. So it's a real this business is a real love of mine. I want to help people get good with money so mm-hmm. that they can live really good, abundant lives. And it's available to everyone. I promise. I started in a trailer home. I've lost my money so many times. Like I promise everyone listening, I am not smarter than anybody else. I've made every mistake, no demand, but I've been very intentional about wanting to create the life I wanted to create for myself. And so it's taken a lot of 
you know, knowledge accumulation over the years is the only reason why I am where I am. Uh, but I, I now want to teach others, you know, how I've done what I've done and maybe a little inspiration and, and whatever I can do because I want this for everyone. And I don't want people to make the same mistakes that I do. I, I have. So that's why I do these. That's why I actually do my business. And that's why I do these calls. I only have so many spots per week, but I open up my calendar on, you know, on, you know, if you go to Christina.com for 45 minute coaching call and we can talk about anything. And so why I take it, why I say that it takes a lot of courage is because you are going to Christina.com and you're putting in a date on my calendar for this 45 minute call with someone you've kind of never met that probably really does have her financial shit together, who does have a really nice net worth and all these different things. So this is not about me. Why it's a good exercise is to, for everyone that's listening, to, if you don't do it, if you think you need it or want it, if you don't think you need or want it, then this isn't for you, right? But if you're thinking, wow, that would, I could probably really benefit from a money coaching call from this woman named Christina Wise, and you can look me up. And if that's the case, we think we could get so much value after talking about talking to this person, and we don't set up the call then that's something to look in the mirror for ourselves and where are we missing opportunity? We're kind of, you know, we're in a money situation or something where it's not working out exactly the way we'd want to. This is a really good confrontation because if we really, really, really believe that setting up this call with me, I mean, would probably benefit, you know, Jane or John Doe that, but we don't, Jane or John Doe doesn't take that, chance where's that showing up in all other aspects of our life right so that's where it says it takes a lot of courage because it's going to confront like i'm not good enough maybe i'm not i don't have enough money to talk to her oh my gosh what if i sound stupid i mean all those things are what's in our head that's keeping us from becoming the best version of ourselves and i can promise you we'll have a fun conversation wherever you are i promise you i've been there there's zero judgment we can laugh we can we can do whatever you want to do on the call i'm just you know so there's no reason to be afraid you know i'm not scary i'm like i think i'm one of the easiest people to talk to but anyway no you're not scary <laughs> i don't think i'm scary but again it's that opportunity to confront our own selves to and see if we can get beyond it so i'll complete there christina.com's a way to set up that 45 minute consult great thank you so much for that and hey strategist i mean what an offer i mean seriously what what is the downside of that i can't even dream one up um well we we all do that i mean i can if i were to i'm i can relate right and maybe you can too i know those mentors of mine that are so much more successful or you know farther along their path than i am and i hold them in a really high regard right so if they said the same thing to me those same things would be going because we kind of have this hierarchy in a way and be like oh well you know, I don't want to waste his time because I, I want to wait till I have all my shit together and I'm going to sound more together, whatever the case is. And, you know, so we all we all have those we all have those types of stories. And again, we just and but we're given these rare opportunities in life to get be, to have the opportunity to get beyond them and do it anyway. And I do this because my mentors have done that. And oh, my God. And somehow I mustered up the courage to have the calls and you know, one hour call with 
a guru slash someone that's so wise and has so much knowledge, one hour can shape everything. I mean, I could tell you how many stories of spending an hour less with so many mentors of mine over the years have completely reshaped me. But like, you know, they can change your life in an hour that most people can't do in years, you know, because, right. you know, they've, right. they're a life study of their work. And, mm-hmm. you know, so anyway, I can keep talking. I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for making that available to us. I'm sure we'll have some take you up on that offer, Christina. Yeah, I hope so. Please do. Well, thank you for joining us again today. And listeners, strategists, keep on strategizing. Strategizing.